This is Kevin Lavelle, and you're listening to Founders 15. You know what the world needs? Another business podcast. Well, actually, maybe it does. See, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, many of which were truly great. I learned a lot and had takeaways that changed my business or personal life. But I often noticed there was no commonality between the interviews as they were wide-ranging, so it was harder to tease out themes between them. I launched Mizzen and Main to bring advanced performance fabrics to traditional menswear. So just like deciding the world needed a better dress shirt when everyone said it was crazy, I decided to launch Founders 15. Founders 15 is a unique new discussion experience distinct in three specific ways. The conversations will be founder to founder, eliciting an enlightening back and forth of two people with an overlap rarely found in other interviews. In my position as founder of Mizzen and Main, I've gotten to have extraordinary conversations with other founders, and I know that there are takeaways that a lot of people would benefit from. So episodes will also feature the same 15 main questions in each podcast, helping bring a continuity to these discussions with appropriate probing on key themes as they develop throughout the interview. Perhaps most distinctively, I'm focused primarily on founders building something right now, and not just the billion dollar unicorns that get the headlines every day. These interviews feature real people building real businesses today. Business titans from years ago offer much to learn from, but my focus is on those in the heart of their journey to build something great. To keep things particularly interesting, I'll also be interviewing a few well-known athletes and coaches, founders in their own right, to gain additional insight and inspiration as to what it takes to achieve greatness. Would love to hear any feedback anytime. I'm on Twitter at Kevin S. Lavelle, and I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I've enjoyed having them. As a product founder, I'm fascinated by the process of physically producing goods. I had the privilege of touring Weiss Watch Company's headquarters last year and cannot believe the process it takes to actually make a watch. Setting Weiss apart from virtually everyone else is they actually make everything here in the United States. Cameron received years-long training as a watchmaker and has built a facility that machines all their own parts. He and his wife are building something truly extraordinary right here in the United States. Each watch receives over 80 hours of handmade love. My wife got me my first Weiss watch last year to celebrate Mizzen and Main's five-year company anniversary, and I wear it with so much pride. Not just as a gift from the most important person in my life, but as a piece of remarkable craftsmanship. Say howdy to Cameron on Instagram at Cameron M. Weiss. Give Weiss a follow at Weiss Watch Company. Get a timepiece for yourself if you want handcrafted American glory adorning your wrist. Cameron, I have uh, I was introduced to your brand uh, about a year or two ago, and um, was so thrilled to actually get to get out to your headquarters and and get to see a lot of the watchmaking equipment and everything that you guys are doing. I know we haven't had the chance um, to connect in person yet, but absolutely thrilled to be able to chat a little bit more about Weiss as I wear one of your beautiful timepieces today, like most days. Um, and I know, uh, the, the, hopefully the listening audience will be just as thrilled as I am to be able to hear a little bit more about, um, this incredible journey that you've had to build, uh, your company. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I'm always, uh, always happy to chat watches and, uh, and business. 
watches and business. Absolutely. So, um, <laughs> for context, share a little bit about your, yourself, your background and, and Weiss watch. My name is Cameron Weiss and I'm the founder and master watchmaker at Weiss watch company. We are one of the only watch manufacturers actually making watches in the United States of America. Um, it's an industry that kind of disappeared from the USA almost a hundred years ago. Uh, manufacturing of watches just slowly disappeared and, and hopefully we'll bring that back to, uh, to the U S. And, um, what year did you start the company? We started in 2013, June 1st, 2013, actually. And your products are definitely available online. And then you're also in some select retailers as well, right? Yeah, we do the majority of our business direct to consumer through our website. However, we also sell in some larger stores like Barney's uh, and also online with Mr. Porter uh, and then select retailers, uh, menswear shops across the U.S., Japan, Canada, France, Germany. Um, we've got about 50 retailers that we work with. That's extraordinary. And you are, as you said, making watches here in the U S. Um, can you share, um, a little bit about, uh, from a manufacturing perspective, how long does each watch typically take from a kind of total man hours? Um, cause these are not, these are not, uh, assembly line watches. They are you and your team are making them by hand. How many hours typically go into each watch? So each watch takes about 80 hours of manufacturing, decoration, assembly, quality control, uh, start to finish, we're going from raw materials, so bars of steel and brass, and, and turning them into mechanical watches, meaning no computer components, no batteries. These are mechanical, they have a spring, and they're powered by either the movement of your wrist or by actually physically winding up the spring through the crown. That is absolutely extraordinary. And, uh, I, I, I wear, um, I'm not sure which model of your watch, but it is to me such, uh, such an extraordinary thing to, to carry around every day and wear every day because it's a reminder of craftsmanship and, um, the, the labor of building something so intricate, um, that so many people just sort of take for granted. And, um, I am not an Apple watch wearer myself. I don't think I ever will be for a whole host of reasons, including the amount of distractions I already have. I don't need something pinging my wrist every moment. Um, but I've, I've loved seeing, uh, the resurgence of interest, I think in, in a love of mechanical things. And certainly the, the fact that watches are still as, as popular as they are today. I know I'm not alone in that. Does it, does it surprise you at all? The, the level of, um, kind of love and obsession that people have with watches? It does. It, it's kind of amazing because I've always been very fascinated with watches. Even as a little kid, um, I, I wore a watch. So I always had it in my head that I loved watches and, and always focused on them. But recently it does seem like there is a lot more interest on a way bigger scale from almost uh, more of a mainstream level in the U.S. as far as what is going on the wrist. I think the Apple Watch helps with that. Sure. But uh, it's a very different item than, uh, than what we're crafting here in our workshop. 
So from, um, I, I know from your background, um, you uh, have have quite extensive knowledge in watchmaking. So this wasn't just some um, random thing that one day you decided you wanted to make watches. From the time that you decided you wanted to have your own company to your first watch that you made, you know, prototyping, getting ready to sell, to the time that you started selling watches more than one at a time, what were some of the things that happened along the way to kind of give you that confidence or give you that push to say, let's take this to the next level? Yeah, it was a... It was a long journey. Um, I started by, of course, going to school and learning all the background on watchmaking, becoming a watchmaker. Uh, but throughout that time, I was kind of prototyping. I didn't know what I was going to do in the end with the watches I was creating. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was testing designs and seeing what I liked and also wearing them around and seeing the kind of feedback that I would get. Uh, that was probably about a five year process prior to launching in 2013. Um, so when we actually launched on June 1st, 2013, I had what I considered, uh, a really nice design, uh, at a price that we were very happy with. Uh, and that took about five years to get there. But the, the final straw that got me ready to actually launch um, was talking to another brand founder uh, at a trade show. It was like a pop-up trade show, mm -hmm. open to the public. And I was talking to him about the uh, company he started and just talking with him and hearing about the support that he had received from uh, general interest in hearing the story about how his products were crafted. It really sparked in my mind that we had something that was even more complex and more of a, a craftsmanship story and creation story, especially with the lost kind of dying art of watchmaking. So that was the, the switch that went off in my head. And I said, this is the perfect time for, uh, some sort of watchmaking resurgence in the U S yeah. Do, do you recall who that person was or that company is? Uh, that company was a shirt company actually. Um, the name of which escapes me right now. That's all good. I just did, uh, figure to be a fun shout out if, if it was still there top of mind. Um, so you launched the company in 2013 and today you've, um, you've really started to make an impact. I'm seeing, seeing why more and more people are familiar with it. Things are moving along quite a bit. Um, you and your wife work together and you've got a couple, couple team members. How do you, um, how do you define your culture? Cause you have such a, an intricate, um, detailed product, um, that you guys are, you're making. It's not, it's not like Mizzen and Maine. We order fabric, we work with cut and sew facilities and we finish it and we ship it, but we're not the ones actually doing it. You guys are doing it every day. So that's a particularly unique culture that you're building. How do you, how do you define that culture, um, as something kind of tangible and what do you do every day to defend that as you grow and, and the challenges of, of such a complex, um, industry and frankly, such a, a tough one to break into because of how important that kind of legacy is with those watch aficionados. Well, as far as our business culture goes, we are 
first and foremost, we're, we're in this kind of like family business realm. Um, it's myself, the watchmaker, designing and making the watches, my wife doing sales and marketing, uh, and other employees with machining components and some help with assembly. But it's still at this size and uh, communication kind of level within within the employees that feels very family oriented, mm-hmm. um, which is a very odd thing in the watch world. A lot of watch companies are much more corporate. It's kind of like sunglasses where uh, everything is made by one company and everybody else does sales and marketing and design work. Uh, but everything's coming from one mega factory. Sure. So for us, the, the family aspect is, is very unique, uh, to the watchmaking industry, even if other companies use it as a story because of their past, Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's almost no watch companies that are still family owned and operated. Um, so for us, that's very important. And we like to also, uh, use that as we are presenting to the market as well. It's not just internal that, uh, that we like to talk about the, the family aspect of the business. Um, knowing that the watchmaker whose name is on the dial of the watch actually made that watch or had some, some, uh, some part of the process done by his own hands is mm-hmm. very important. And, uh, the, the team, as you've started to bring in other folks to help with the manufacturing process, I'm a little bit naive in the watchmaking process. Will there be other watch makers or does it need to be, you are the watchmaker and other people will assist with more other, you know, different parts of the business? There will be other watchmakers. Um, they'll work underneath me. Mm-hmm. However, there, there's plenty of watchmaking work to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, with 80 hours on each timepiece, mm-hmm. there's a lot of hands-on work that needs to be done. But uh, a big part that we have to have is passion for uh, either manufacturing, for instance, Grant, who's working in the workshop uh, where we're actually machining parts using lathes and mills. He has to be extremely passionate about uh, about manufacturing these parts right. because they are very complex and we have, um, we're kind of anal about the, uh, the surface finish and all of the, the tolerances and, and things being so perfect. So you really have to have that passion to stick with it. And if something's not absolutely perfect, you take it upon yourself to correct it before anybody else even notices that there's a, there's an issue. So, um, being that watchmaker and getting things going with the intensity of that, um, I would imagine there was an extended period of time early on where you're all in on the business and it's not just you, but it's you and your wife. Um, how long have you gone without, um, either without a salary or with paying yourself, uh, very, very little in terms of making sure that everything, everything humanly possible goes back into the business and, um, you start to build that up. We're still at that, at that point there. (laughs) Yep. I, uh, we, it's, so it's myself and my wife and we pay, we pay each other very little. Mm-hmm. Um, the expense for R and D and manufacturing within this, uh, industry is very high. Mm-hmm. So we have machines that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and 
then we have to actually set them up and tool them up. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of expenses that we've had in order to ramp up the manufacturing side. And we still haven't even gotten to the point of ramping up the assembly side. Right. So there's a few more million, uh, million dollars that we will have to invest in order to really get to the point that I'm happy with the production capability for our watches. Um, so we're still kind of just chugging along and, uh, and enjoying the fact that we don't have to answer to another boss. Yep. Uh, we don't make as much, but sure. And you're, the, the trade-off is, is worth it for us. And you're building something really unique that you obviously have an extraordinary passion for. It's um, absolutely, absolutely extraordinary to hear. So uh, this question becomes even more relevant. Who has most inspired you on this journey? Um, who would you say, whether a personal connection or famous, um, you obviously are very passionate about what you do, but, um, there's some sort of longer vision. There's some sort of bigger inspiration there as well. I, I would have to imagine, uh, would love to hear, um, who's been a big inspiration for you along this journey. So as far as the, the business and manufacturing kind of side goes, Henry Ford is just uh, an unbelievable person on, in that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, I, I did a, major history project on Henry Ford. And I actually created this whole movie and presentation on him. Uh, and I won some awards for this history contest, but, uh, so he was a a huge motivating factor in me kind of choosing to go this route with a manufacturing style business where Mm -hmm. we're actually making parts and going from raw materials to finished product. Um, and then more on a, a regular day-to-day level of just making sure that we put out the best watches that we can. I'm completely inspired by my grandfather for that. Uh, he was the type that would build almost anything on his own uh, from house additions to boats and, and just whatever. He had all these projects and he did it all on his own. So we try to do a lot of that here in the business and also myself on a personal level. I try to accomplish a lot just with my own two hands. Yeah. And, um, I mentioned, I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but have you, um, have you watched the men who built America on the history channel? Yeah. It's, uh, that's quite a, quite a, quite a program, quite inspiring. And when, when I think about some of the business challenges I'm facing and the impact that I hope to have, uh, you watch that and it's a, it's a humbling thing to see. Um, even though obviously it's a history channel presentation and, and, um, there's a lot of, of those moving pictures and reenactments. It's, it is, it is tremendously inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the greatest stories I think is, uh, about Sears and how, uh, Sears was started. And that relates back to uh, pocket watches. If anyone's interested, they can watch that uh, that part of the show. The uh, <laughs> the history there, and um, the fact that in all likelihood, a thousand years from now, people will still be wearing watches makes it a, a really just a fascinating industry to study. Um, and I'm sure we could, you could probably spend an entire podcast on on the history of it and the significance of it. But it's always been. It's always been of, of high, of high interest for me. So, um, again, part of the, part of the excitement in, in today's podcast for me is, 
um, getting to hear a little bit more about someone who's in it in a way, as you said, that, that very few else, very few others are. So when you think about these challenges of bringing watchmaking back to America and the impact that you can have and the challenge that you have and hearing you say it's going to be a few million dollars more in getting us to where we can start to have the growth and impact that I want to have is, is a daunting thought. How do you stay sane in, in the face of such a challenge and also um, from a business perspective and, and a personal perspective? Really, the, the quick answer is I don't stay sane. <laughs> nice. My, my wife and I joke about that actually quite a bit, um, just that it's almost uh, it's almost like you, you can no longer relate to other people who haven't started a business or, or done something like that on their own. It is something very different from any other experience I've ever had, um, but it, it will make you crazy. So I, I do try to do things to, to keep myself sane. Um, I try to surf, which kind of clears my mind. Yeah. Um, I go out into the ocean and it, it's just like uh, back into nature really. And you forget about everything. You look out into the horizon. Um, but that's, that's kind of my escape to try and get my sandy back. <laughs> that's a good thing. I was in Southern California a few weeks ago uh, and I've only been surfing a handful of times in my life. One, it, it's a, gosh, it's just such an amazing experience just being out in the water and California is so beautiful and all of that. But man, it is a unbelievably exhausting experience as well, particularly if it's not something you do on any sort of a regular basis. Do, does it still exhaust you or are you at a yeah. point where you, you are good enough that it's more a relaxing experience? It depends on when I do it regularly. Um, you end up with days that are, you know, obviously bigger waves and, and more intense. Uh, days where you stay out longer mm -hmm. on those days, I end up back at the office and I'm just in like a very relaxed, but tired state. Other days there's no waves. And I, I go out and I really just sit there and watch the dolphins go by. Um, it's not much exercise at all. You're not, uh, diving under waves or worrying about getting drowned or anything like that. You're just kind of floating out there. And on those days, they really, really recharges you. So if everything would be quote unquote, okay, while you were gone, what would you do for a month away from it all? And this is a, uh, you're going to really have to suspend your imagination for a second. Cause I know as a watchmaker, the responsibility is quite a bit different. Um, but let's just assume that, um, you've either, either built up the right amount of inventory to be able to go away for a month or, or some other suspension of disbelief. Um, I, I'm, I'm always fascinated to hear what, what people would like to do. And I know like most entrepreneurs, it's, you love what you do. So it's not that you don't want to be there, but, um, you gotta, you gotta go away for a month. What is it that you do? Well, one thing that I have always wanted to do is completely disconnect and go into the woods, into the national forest and just see if I could live for a month. So I, I think that would be perfect. Just sustain myself, disappear into the woods, uh, maybe go with, uh, with my wife if she's, if she's up for the challenge, I don't know, but, uh, I think completely disconnecting and just, mm -hmm. uh, seeing what's out there in nature would be, would be a pretty cool experience. And if I could get away for a month, that's what I would do. Is there, uh, is there one place that you would like to go into the, into the wilderness? Like just somewhere in California, you want to go to 
somewhere in the north, like uh, with woods. What's the uh, what's the the place where you would want to test your metal on on going away from it all? I think it would probably be in the northwest, Pacific Northwest. Um, if I could survive somewhere in the woods, it would probably be up there. Uh, not in like the dead of winter when it's too cold and you're just wet and cold all the time. It would have to be probably, uh, like springtime, plenty of berries and just, uh, plenty of stuff to forage for. I, th I think that would be a, a nice time up there. <laughs> nice, a nice time. That's a good way to describe what would be a very difficult challenge, but, um, that's, a, that's a unique one. I don't think anyone said anything like that before. Um, yeah, you touched on some of this with, uh, you know, the, that you don't have to answer to anybody, but, um, you, you know, make a little less money and clearly quite a, quite a bit less. And, and you guys are, are investing in the long term. but the, 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 the question here is how has starting a business, uh, affected your personal life? You, you guys are in a unique situation in that you work together as my wife and I did for a number of years. Most spouses say they couldn't do it for Jen and I, it was a huge, um, uh, positive for us overall, given everything that we had on the line and, and being able to do that together. Um, a lot of people answer this and they say, well, you know, it's, it's really tough because it takes me away from my family and I don't get to spend as much time with either my spouse or my kids. You get to be with Whitney, which is a really great thing, but there's plenty of other sacrifices. What would you say your biggest sacrifice has been? I think the, uh, the biggest sacrifice is really, outside of the family on a personal life level. Um, so like for me, of course, I have Whitney's here and she's actually uh, seven and a half months pregnant now. So I did not soon, know that. Congratulations. We'll our baby here. That's wonderful. Thank you. Congrats. So soon I'll, I'll have a, a daughter running around the workshop, <laughs> but we'll all be here. And uh, so I don't have, have to sacrifice that of, of stepping away from, family on a personal level, having to, uh, not go on maybe extended family vacations, not, uh, not go as many trips and, and things like that. That has been a lot of, a lot of sacrifice as well as just friends, not being able to go out on the weekends and, and hang out with people because I'm swamped. A shipment of, uh, of watches has to go out on Monday and and I'm working through the weekend to, to, to polish something or, or finish some assembly work. So that's probably the, the biggest change in my life from where I stopped being an employee and moved into owning my own business. Mm -hmm. So when you think about the growth that you've experienced in some of these extraordinary retailers that you're now in, um, again, the kind of growing awareness of the brand that you guys have, is there a moment that you noticed that things started to change? Was there a press hit? Was there a, you know, somebody that wore the watch, somebody that introduced you to a, um, in, into a retailer, a big win at a trade show? Has there been one moment for some people there is, and for some, they say it feels like it's just the sum of everything. Early on, I had one moment that was very important. Um, it was when we first launched our business, um, I had made 10 watches and I sold all 10 watches within the first month of launching. That to me was validating. Mm -hmm. So from that point on, I was happy with my decision 
having quit my my very nice job that I had and it was with a great company and I loved working for them but I had to take this risk I, I felt that there was something more here so having those 10 watches that I had made sell within the first 30 days validated that the next thing was being written about in the LA Times and being front page of the LA Times newspaper um, that didn't happen for maybe about a year after we had launched. But mm-hmm. when that happened, we had our biggest sales day ever, just an incredible amount of sales all at once. So many sales. Uh, it was October that this happened and we sold out of everything that we had planned to produce between that time and the end of the year. So the entire holiday season was now sold out. And oh I had to goodness. scramble to make more parts. Yeah. So I, I had to scramble to completely like redo the holiday season. We had to produce more watches. Um, we went through that last quarter and I was able to deliver watches just in time for Christmas actually. Uh, but we essentially did twice as many watches as we had expected just because of that one day front page, uh, in the LA times. It's pretty unbelievable. That's so extraordinary. Was there a, other than the unique story of what you guys had, was there a reason that they decided to put you on the front page? Was there something that had happened or some connection to why in that moment they were writing about you or they just said, this is a really cool story and we want to put you on the front page. So the writer was actually, um, he's a business writer who focused on the Hollywood uh, filmmaking industry. So it was kind of outside of his wheelhouse for articles. And he had heard about us, wanted to, to do some sort of story on us, and just kind of started writing. So he had been working on this story, and eventually his editor said, let's run this as a human interest uh, piece, and we can talk about the watchmaking side of it, not so much about like new product or, or whatever, new models and things like that. It was more about the story of this young watchmaker stepping out on his own and making watches at that time in his apartment in Los Angeles. So uh, it was just an amazing article and the editor loved it. We just by chance ended up front page uh, because they liked the story so much and it made it really made a huge difference in our business. <laughs> That's extraordinary. Um, have you had any other major press hits like that at that scale since then? We have not had anything at that scale. That one's a, a tough one to beat. Yeah. I, I mean, mean it, it's, it was, uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard to beat that. Yeah. And LA times. So of course from that, we saw that a lot of papers, um, more regional papers, Seattle times, uh, I forget all the papers that we ended up on the front page or other subsequent um, pages, but that week we ended up in a lot of other newspapers with the same article as well. That's awesome. That's really, really special. Um, so where do you see, obviously this is not a, uh, this is not a start and sell kind of business. This is your, your life's passion and the time it takes to scale. This is, is significant. Where do you see uh Weiss watch company in, in 10 years? In 10 years, hopefully we have achieved that, uh, that level of production that I'm hoping for. Like I said, there's a, a lot more investment that I need to make. Uh, 
but if we grow slowly and, and we have the support of our, uh, our customers in the American market, then I, we'll definitely get there. Um, so hopefully in 10 years we're there and I can actually hire some more employees. So I don't have to do so much of the paperwork and accounting and things I I'm not so passionate about. And I can focus more of that passion on the actual watchmaking, uh, design and production. That's great. If you could go back and tell yourself one thing at the beginning of this journey, what would you tell yourself? That's a tough one, but I, I think, uh, I would, I would probably say that there's no rush getting to the next step. You know, that everything will happen, um, when it's supposed to happen and don't rush through the phases, you know, don't rush to get out of the, uh, out of the garage or out of the apartment. Don't rush to get that next employee or mm -hmm. that next piece of machinery. It will happen when it needs to happen. Um, and if you, if you rush into these things, then, they can be more of a burden, uh, than, than something that actually helps your business. It's a very healthy perspective. Um, so along similar lines, uh, do you have, uh, a one single biggest regret? That's something that I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty good with. I, I tried to never regret anything. Um, so even things that have happened that a lot of people might think would be negative, I somehow put a nice, uh, happy spin on it. Um, I learn a lot from my mistakes and in the end, I think they actually make me better and stronger. So I don't really regret anything. Another healthy perspective. That's great. Um, knowing, uh, the passion that you have for what you, you do, I, I think I probably can, uh, assume the, what the answer would be, but what, what brings you the most joy every day in building Weiss? The single most thing that excites me the most is seeing watches out there and hearing about, uh, hearing about our watches kind of just out there in the world. Um, sometimes I will see one out the window as I'm driving into work. I'll see somebody driving next to me with, with a Weiss watch on, or I'll see somebody at, uh, at a car show or just anywhere out and about seeing them and seeing the joy that they get when they look down at their wrist and, and, you know, especially when they meet me on the street or something like that, that's the best experience ever. It's pretty special. Um, how about, uh, how about your most embarrassing professional moment? It's always fun to hear. Ooh, I do have one that I still think about to this day and it, it sends chills up my spine. Um, <laughs> that's a good buildup. When I, <laughs> one of my first jobs in the watchmaking industry, um, I was actually doing watchmaking in a retail environment and I would help out when the sales team was busy, overwhelmed with people. Uh, so this job was in New York and just like with California, when you end up in these big cities, sometimes people don't necessarily look the part, uh, as far as their financial stability goes. Sometimes you could have somebody in flip-flops and a t-shirt, looks like they just woke up from taking a nap on the beach and they're actually uh, the founder of a tech startup and they've got a billion dollars. So we try not to make any judgments, but in this particular situation, I handed a watch, uh, a very nice $80,000 watch 
over to a, a gentleman who appeared to be a, a pretty stable individual, but uh, he immediately took the watch and he threw it on the ground. Oh my God. And I just, I froze. I didn't know what to do. I was like completely just terrified. Oh my God. And the, the security guard in the store watched it happen and his jaw just dropped as well. Uh, sure. I didn't even know what to do. <laughs> sure. But that, I, I mean, I still have nightmares about that that moment when I handed this very expensive timepiece over and it was just essentially thrown to the ground. Uh, so what ended up happening? Well, I think it may have been uh, a homeless person that had wandered in or something. I, we're not really totally sure, but uh, it was New York City and this person ended up in our store and they just were messing around. <laughs> Luckily, luckily it wasn't anything where, you know, someone was put in danger physically or sure. anything like that. But, uh, I, I still don't totally know what lesson I learned from it, but, uh, it really scared me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, that is not, that is a, a moment you will never forget. Um, yeah. So we, we sort of touched on it earlier, but do you expect to be doing uh, Weiss watch company for your whole life? I certainly hope so. If, if I'm that fortunate, then I think I will have, uh, lived a nice lucky life. That's wonderful. And ultimately our last serious question, how do you want to be remembered? Hmm, I think, uh, to me, I've always respected people for their honesty. Mm -hmm. So I think being remembered as someone who was honest, true to their word and, and, uh, a hard worker to me, that's, that's the most important thing to, to be remembered for. That's great. So we touched on where people can find some of your watches earlier, but, um, let's also throw out what is, uh, how, how can people stay in touch with you? You've got, uh, are you, you're an Instagram guy, correct? Yes. So what's your Instagram yeah, um, handle? So you can follow me on Instagram. It's Cameron M. Weiss. And then you can also follow Weiss Watch Company on Instagram. And on there, we post all kinds of things, uh, not only pictures of making watches and finished watches, but also watch our Instagram story. We'll oftentimes post things about actually making parts or how we decorate a certain component, how we design things. There's a lot of behind the scenes that, uh, that we try and put up on, uh, on Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook as well. Weiss watch company and on our website, weisswatchcompany.com. That's great. And, uh, I guess I'll ask, um, I'll, it's fun to ask some people this, what, uh, that, that make product, what is your favorite watch of, of your own? Do you have, is it a limited edition that you made just for yourself or is it one that's available for sale? My favorite watch is actually our black dial American issue, um, green canvas strap. It's the first watch we ever made. So it, it has kind of a special place in my heart. That was, uh, the first 10 pieces we made. Yep. They were all black dial green canvas strap. That's great. Um, that's where we started. That's our roots. <laughs> and, uh, what are you wearing right now? Right now I'm actually wearing, a the green dial American issue on a light tan Horween leather strap. 
how do you, how do you decide in a day? Do you just grab something and roll or is there a, uh, <laughs> is, is there a method to your madness as to what you decide you want to wear each day? For me, it usually depends what I'm doing. If I'm, uh, if I'm going to be like working back in the machine shop or something, I'll wear something on a canvas strap, usually our automatic, um, just because I know I'll be back there and I'll be getting a little sweaty or whatever and, and dirty. So canvas strap for sure. Mm-hmm. Today is more of a, an inside office day. So I went for the nicer American issue, um, on the leather strap. That's great. My, uh, <clears throat> my wife got me one of your watches for our five year company anniversary last summer. Uh, and as I mentioned at the start, it's a, it's a really special timepiece to be able to, to wear every day. So wear it, wear it very proudly. Um, so now let's move into, uh, the oftentimes best part of the conversation is the rapid fire portion. Um, and so the goal here is the first thing that comes to mind. If there's a way you want to answer it, it's all yours. Um, so start off simple. Um, how many hours of sleep do you typically get a night? Uh, usually about seven to eight hours. Sleep is very important for me. (laughs) Indeed. Especially with how nuanced your hands have to be every day. Um, what would you use the gene editing technology CRISPR for? Ooh, uh, you can edit your own genes. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to mess with that. That's a fair and safe answer. I think first knee jerk reaction is I don't want, I'm too scared. (laughs) That's a fair and safe answer. Uh, what is your favorite fiction and nonfiction book? Um, Ooh, Jonathan Livingston Siegel and, um, what is it? Bear man or something like that. I think it's, um, it's bear man book about a a Vietnam war vet who just goes out in the woods and, and basically photographs grizzly bears. Is this the guy that got eaten by a bear? No, different guy. Um, that was like grizzly man or something grizzly like man. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This guy is still alive, still photographing bears from a safe distance. <laughs> An appropriate safe distance. Um, what is your daily music playlist theme? Oh, you know, I, I go through, um, a few different, uh, Spotify, uh, albums mm-hmm. and I usually listen to the, like the suggested radio based on certain songs, but it's usually pretty mellow music, uh, to keep my heart rate pretty low and and calm. It's critical for the, for again, the work that you do. Um, what is your wake up drink of choice and wind down drink of choice? Uh, wake up. I like to have a, a light roast coffee. Um, usually like a, an Ethiopian coffee, Mm -hmm. just black. Um, and then to wind down is usually a bourbon. Sometimes a tequila, usually bourbon or tequila, just sipping, uh, straight up. Do you have a favorite bourbon? Favorite bourbon. Ooh, that's a tough one. But, uh, I would say favorite's going to be Weller. Excellent. What would your last meal be? Last meal would be pizza. Any particular pizza or just pizza in general? Pizza in general. (laughs) Safe bet. Do you have uh, a particularly strong pet peeve? No, not really. I can't, I can't think of one that immediately jumps out at me. 
that's not a surprise given some of your earlier answers and, uh, getting some, <laughs> getting some good sleep and having some healthy perspective. Um, do you have a favorite podcast? What is it? Uh, how it's made, how, how, how we made this? this, how I built this. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. is one that I absolutely love. Um, I will listen to that sometimes working in the, in the workshop. Yep. And, uh, hopefully one day, not too far off, you will be on that podcast that, uh, of all the yeah, people on amazing. how I built this, you are really building this. So I think it's most appropriate. Yeah. So Guy Raz, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, make sure you reach out to Cameron. <laughs> um, what percent of your monthly household budget do you think is Amazon? It is a huge percentage. Um, gosh, I, it's gotta be like 40% or something. <laughs> Sounds about right. So much easier than I almost never make it into a store to buy anything yeah. other than perishable groceries. Yeah. Well, we recently switched to Amazon, uh, Amazon fresh, I think is what it's called. Um, and groceries get delivered and it's extraordinary. Um, it's, uh, yeah. saves, saves a lot of time and it's not like it's more expensive, which is even, even crazier. Um, do you have a TV show that you could watch over and over again? The, I guess it would be, uh, how it's made. That's, that's a show that, uh, I think never gets boring. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Um, and again, highly relevant, uh, favorite article of clothing. Jeans. My jeans are the, the go-to, uh, go-to item. I think I wear jeans every single day. Do you love or hate cardio? I love it. It's actually, uh, the one time a day when I read. Oh, so interesting. I, I try and read while I do cardio. Um, so for me, it's actually like a learning experience and getting my news and everything. So you got to multitask. <laughs> what, what, uh, what's your cardio of choice? I do the stair climber, which yeah. is pretty intense, especially when you're trying to also read at the same time. <laughs> that is really hard. That is actually really, really hard. I, I've, yeah. I've, uh, I don't go to a gym with a a stairmaster because most of the time my gym is just going in and doing it a little bit in my, my garage gym. But when I do, that is incredibly yeah. intense. Um, would you rather fight off 100 duck sized horses or one horse sized duck? Horse sized duck. <laughs> um, it's hard for me to ask that question seriously. Um, what is your favorite destination to travel to? I love, the Rockies. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think, uh, I, yeah, I think the Rockies. Any particular town in the Rockies or just generally because they're so beautiful? There is a small town in the Rockies, but I want to keep it a small town in the Rockies. So I think I'm not going to name it. <laughs> That's very fair. And last but not least, what is the best gift that you have ever received? Um, I think that'll be my daughter when she, uh, she arrives early December. Oh man. What a perfect answer. That's so great. Well, Cameron, thank you so much for taking some time away from all 80 hours per watch that you guys are cranking out over there. Um, really blown away to see, um, a craftsman like yourself building something, not just, uh, not just one by one, but building a brand around it and really hope everybody listening goes to check out, 
uh, Weiss Watch Company online. Um, give Cameron a shout out. Hello on social media. Pretty active on there. And um, looking forward to next chance we have a discussion. We'll hopefully be live sometime soon. And um, until then, um, keep crushing it, man. Really, really excited for what you guys are building. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Kevin S. Lavelle, and you can also go to founders15.com for show notes and other episodes. Thank you. Thank you.